Today, you and I were watching Children in the Park. And what now? <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> What's wrong with that? And a friend of yours. You, no, no, go who back. Was, you can't no, do that. You can't say that. A friend of that. yours. Of course I can say that. We're not on the BBC. <laughs> and uh, a friend of yours, Haskell, we'll call him. Mm-hmm. Um, For he, that is uh, his name. That is his name. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of implied that there's a sort of scale. Like, you know, because I said wanker. And he said, where would you put that on the swear scale? And I'm like, what do you mean, out of 10? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you... I'm trying to understand what the metric is, is here because there's American swearing and there's British swearing. And, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we thought it would be an interesting thing uh, to sort of... Explore that. <laughs> to talk about swear words because we're not on the BBC. Well, yeah. Um, and we can, uh, we can sort of just discuss where it lands on. And then you, viewer... Uh, as you usually do, cannot comment on the Facebook page and uh, the other social media places um, about where you think things should go. Okay. So, so do you, do you want me to sort of maybe give like a BBFC rating for each swear? Because um, then that would link it to movies. Yeah. Okay. Great. Sure. So I'm going to say swear words. Okay. And you're going to you read them. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with an easy one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Damn. PG. Yeah? Actually, you know That's what? That's a you, no? It's been in you. Yeah, we could call it you. Okay. We could call it you. Goddamn might put it into PG territory. Oh, because you can't mention the GD with a oh, dash in the middle. That's right, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, ugh, I'm so prolific with swear words, but put me on the spot. Here we go. I start sweating. Right, okay. Crap. Well, this pop filter is not doing anything for those peas, is it? Oh, fuck my life. Right. Okay. Fuck my uh, life. 18. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, crap. I would. Uh, I, I've also heard in use. Actually, I've heard the word ass in in a U before. Do you know I which was, one I'm talking about? Uh, no. Hook. Hook. Oh, better get off your ass, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't try to stop me this time, me. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, me. Try to stop me. Smee, you better get up off your ass. Get over here, Smee. I'm coming. I'm oh, coming. Smee, this is not a joke. I'm committing suicide. Committing suicide. Okay. That was rated U, universal. Yeah, yeah. Should okay. we just uh, just sort of outline the uh, the BBFC ratings for the non-Brits in the sure, audience? Sure, 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 sure. So U is universal, which means for the entire family. PG is parental guidance, just like the American PG, which is uh, basically means some scenes may be unsuitable for younger children. We don't have PG thirteen. Yes, and uh, the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory. Twelve is uh, for ages twelve and over. Fifteen is for ages fifteen and over. Eighteen is for ages eighteen and over. And R eighteen is for porn. Great, okay. Oh, and the A. If you have an A, it's usually in the cinema. If you have a 12A, then that usually means it's kind of like the PG-13 or the R in the States, which is you can come with a person who is... An adult? Over the, over the age... 12A? 12, 12 yeah. adult? You can come maybe? with a person that's over the age of 12, and in the States it means... You know, PG-13 is over the age of 13, and R is... Uh, you Liven can it up a bit, Jonathan. You sound like you're falling somebody. fucking asleep. Well, it is 9 o'clock at night that's on a fine. Saturday night. That's fine, but liven it up. Keep it light, keep it light. Okay, right, okay. All right, so... Do you remember that uh, times tables tape I used to have? Once one is one. Once two, two is two. <laughs> yeah. Once three is three. Do you know why I always give that example when I'm is doing it? that tape? Because it's the easiest fucking one and I don't make any mistakes. <laughs> oh, but it's like they, they had like this disco beat in the background. And I say disco beat because it wasn't cool in any way, shape or form. But it tried to be. On the tape, it had a, on, on the on the cassette sort of box. It, was like it had a picture tables. of a woman doing um, 
the skipping rope or something. Was it? Wasn't it? I Is thought that it was like a I've disco ball or something. I don't know. Was it a I, disco ball? I can't remember. Babs, do you remember? She's not here. Well, I mean, she'll answer. She'll what text, is the matter with you? She'll text me while she's right. listening to this. Shit. What's the matter with you? Scale. Oh, right, yes. Shit is a uh, is a PG thing. Yeah, definitely. PG, okay. Yeah. Um, here's one. Tits. It's a horrible word. I hate saying that. I, tits has been... I have heard that in PGs before. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, Teen agent, for example. Tell your mm. sister she has nice tits. I most certainly will not. It's mother. Who is this? Listen to me carefully, Corbin. An operative will be meeting you on the plane. Yeah, right. Give me a break. I know who this is. If you guys are on a speakerphone, tell your sister she has nice tits. Pretty Corbin. We shan't do anything of the kind. Cunt. It depends if you're talking about a uh, a British cunt or a, an American cunt. Well, I mean, you know, everybody loves a pussy. But what's your uh... <laughs> why? Because you don't like that word, and I, I was like gonna, saying I was it to make say, your face do that thing. It does. I was going to say keep it classy, but I just realised what we're talking about and who you're talking to. Right. Um, I would say that if you're a Brit, it's not as strong as if you're an American. Mm-hmm. Twat. But at the same. Hold on. But at the same time. Oh my god, he has more. Kickass got a 15, you know, that was that whole... Yeah, you, you cunts would have yeah, beat yeah. you up and all that, yeah. Okay, you cunts. Let's see what you can do now. Okay, so okay what, what twat. Would, twat. Uh, twat. In America, twat. Twat, uh, yeah. I mean, twat in a, in a British movie could feasibly be in a 15 or a 12. If you say a PG or a 12 sorry. in America, apparently that's a little worse. It's like the cunt thing. It's like it's yeah, a little bit worse. Yeah, so that would probably go in a 15. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in the in the UK, as I said, it would probably be in a PG or a 12. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that twat is like twat is like kind of calling somebody a, a donut. It doesn't yeah. really have the same weight as it does in the states. What and about, also what about fanny as well? Like fanny, fanny in fanny, the yeah. in the UK is uh, is a is a is a vagina. Mm. Oh, you can't then, say that, Johnny. Right, <laughs> they're gonna shut us down. And in uh, and in the states, it's a it's a bottom. Dick. Dick, I've heard in PGs. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Cock. Cock, probably we'll put in a fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oof. Are there, you want me to make some up? But then again, then again, twelves have certain like stronger swears here and there. So okay, so so let's talk about when you when you put two words together, right? Okay. So for example, cunt shitters. I don't think I've heard that one in a movie before. No. But where would you put it on that scale? How's your coffee? Probably put it in an R eighteen. To be honest, if yeah. uh, if the connotation is what I think it uh, is. Why? <laughs> that's 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 where we draw the line. Let's have an episode. What's our seat number? Hello and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the show that asks questions like, what's with the number? Oh, I see what you did there. That's Very just a good. clever movie-related reference Very to the good. movie we're talking about today. I'm Johnny Gross, a long-suffering filmmaker. Enough said. <laughs> with me, as always. Well, no, that's a lie. Last time he wasn't with me. That last episode reminded me of Kyle Gass in The Pick of Destiny trying to do History of Tenacious D alone. But anyway, here he is, let out of his box, a 3D artist, a game designer, and the one who carves the numbers into the foreheads if you're not bloody careful, my co-host and brother, Simon Gross. Thank you very much for telling everybody who done it. Yes. 
I just want to say that that cold open was extremely classy. Yeah, well, you know, we come here for the yucks, not for the, you know, something that rhymes with yucks that doesn't mean yucks. <laughs> classy. Here's some movie news. Movie news. We don't need, <laughs> we to, don't wait. need to wait. I know, we don't need to wait. Would you like a butter cookie? Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> this week in movie news, Judy Garland dead. Oh, sorry. That was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Nut job. Yeah. So I wrote movie news a couple of weeks ago. That was just my way of saying it's probably a little bit out of date. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Skarsgård has been cast as Nosferatu. Oh, you just can't say anything, can you? You can't say normal things. I apologize that this week's movie news is ever so slightly out of date. We haven't done an episode in a while. No, Judy Garland dead. <laughs> Very good. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. He's left you again, has he? Oh, dear. Bill Skarsgård has been cast as Nosferatu in Robert Eggers' remake. Sounds interesting. I'm there. I'm there, too. Jeff Goldblum is in early talks to play the wizard in Universal's Wicked Movie Musical. I wasn't going to watch that, but now I am. (laughs) Venom 3 is apparently... Happening. happening in DC news James Gunn is taking his services to DC and Warner Brothers in a bigger way than ever before the filmmaker will work alongside regular producing partner Peter Safran to jointly run a new studio unit called DC Studios which replaces DC films and will oversee much of Warner's DC based films and TV both live action and animated is this or is this not good news to your eyes is I don't know because the the problem is that whenever there's a lot of turnover at a game studio, at a movie studio, whenever there's a lot of sort of, okay, here's the solution to all the problems, um, and then they keep on doing that, you suddenly lose faith and interest in their ability to handle the properties that they are in charge of handling. Mm-hmm. So while I do like James Gunn, and I did enjoy, you know, uh, The Suicide Squad. Right. Um, not amazing, but, no, you know, I wasn't, it's I wasn't... A, it was a fun DC movie. I, I didn't love it. I didn't love right. it either, but you know, when you compare it to other DC offerings, like Suicide Squad, yes, um, <laughs> then uh, very good. Um, you you kind of go, oh, all right, fine. And you've seen his Guardians, of the Galaxy movies. I don't know if he's given more leeway. We'll have to see. But well, at the we'll moment, to, yeah. it's it's sort of in this in this place of I don't know, shrug. Right. October fifth saw James Bond Day. Yes. No Time to Die is one year old. Did you rip a garment and start crying and sort of cover yourself in ash? No. <laughs> Should I have done? <laughs> I don't know. No Are you t- still bitter? No Time to Die is one year old. I am still bitter. and um, but, uh, but I'm happy to celebrate the 60th anniversary of James Bond. And we are going to be doing a series that will be running simultaneously to our regularly scheduled programming called What's Our Bond Number? When we finally get to No Time to Die, sometime in 2024 or 2025... We do a re-review. We will do a re-review. <laughs> Hopefully and it'll be shorter. Yeah, but it'll still be as negative as it was before. Also, um, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. We already did this in a previous episode. We already said that we've done our, our one-year anniversary. We, did we? we? Yes. That was the news. <laughs> <laughs> Movie news. <laughs> Podiversary. We said we called it a podiversary. A it was the whole thing. We said it. Oh, I don't listen to these. I don't listen to these back. Okay. Uh, professional. All right, move on.
Move on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got some really good feedback about Stop Hey, What's That Sound? Unfortunately, I don't have a Stop Hey, What's That Sound for this week because that requires a lot of work and finding sounds and thinking of things that are going to be clever and uh, actually obtainable. Sorry, so, let me just get out the translumbular later. Beep, 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 beep. I'm a lazy cunt. <laughs> why do you why Please do you continue. Do <laughs> so instead, we're going to do another round of Answer Me Quickly. Answer Me Quickly. Do you not want to tell people where that's from? It is from a <laughs> random BBC. Is it a BBC? Is it BBC? I think it's BBC. It's a BBC tape. It's yeah. a BBC tape of uh, Matilda that I think was around 97 or 98 or something like that came out. Mm. And uh, it's, tip a it, tip drama- it it's a dramatization and it's completely random and very obscure. Um, you can probably find it on YouTube. And uh, <laughs> Syed, I sometimes quote it. Uh, and yeah, that's just, that's basically it. It's random. Like you nobody... may be ink, young man, but you are not indelible. There Spell is absolutely what? no way that anybody would have known that's what it is. So here we go. So basically the rules of Answer Me Quickly are that uh, I'm going to give you a question that has been asked in dialogue in a movie, and you have to give me the answer, which is the next line. So uh, here we go. 90 seconds. Your time starts now. What the hell are you? I'm Batman. Correct. Sorry, I'm Batman. Okay. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know. Pass. Do it again. What are you doing? No, no. Done. I'm distracting you, Big Tower Blossom. Oh, fuck. What's the matter? No, but you did it wrong. Pause. <laughs> what? I can't pause. Pause the timer. No, I'm not going to pause the timer. It's not. He didn't sound like Harrison Ford. <laughs> he's, he's got. He sounds like he's got marshmallows in his mouth. He's like, "What are you doing?" It's the tone, not the voice. Anyway, what you're wasting. Fuck, you're man? wasting your time. It's your own time. Go on. Yeah. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the matter with you? Correct. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Correct. Did you get? To, did, uh, sorry, that's my bad. Did you order the code red? You're damn right I did. You're goddamn right I did. Correct. What do you call the middle of a swarm? Oh, uh, what do you call the middle of a swarm? Gee, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> ah! Correct. <laughs> Who is this? This. Who is this? Oh, I don't know. So, Robert of Luxley, your oh, highness. No, ah. Fuck, fuck, I thought it was. Uh, I Are you I all right, Diego? Ask the Capitan. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond, James Bond. Correct. Why do we fall, sir? So let's get up, get it back up again. Does, no, so we can pick ourselves up again. Correct. Is it a star? It is a star. Correct. And you really think we can do this? Your time is up. I've started, so I'll finish. I'll let you answer the question. Do it again. And you really think we can do this? I know this. Hang on. Yeah, you do. Uh, blanking. We're going to do it. Oh damn! I knew it was Mission Impossible. <laughs> I was like, it's Luther. Yeah, I think you got most of those. Oh man, that's so annoying. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say we have to do this, but damn. <laughs> Would I have gotten a point for that? No, right? Because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have tried. Always try. That's the motto of this game, children. Always try. Also, don't waste your own time. Because as funny as it is, you sound like a cunt. Go on. However, we got through the entire list, so that's that's. Did we really? Yeah, we did. We did indeed. Are there any of those that you felt I should have gotten, but I didn't, and you're disappointed in me? I'd Let like me. to know so I can improve for next time. Let me go back through the list. Yes, because the the listeners have all the fucking time in the world. <laughs> all you had to say was, no, Simon, I'm always proud of you. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Sir Robin of Loxley, your highness. Yeah, you I was like in my head. I knew that's what yeah. it was. I can't believe it. I why can't do, believe it. Why do we fall sorry? I gave it to you, but it's uh, so we can learn to pick ourselves up. What did I say? You something said, wrong you said blah something, blah blah wrong something else <laughs> blah 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 wrong how do you get to Carnegie Hall you said practice I would have accepted practice John practice and what are you doing it was a tough one and what the hell are you I was very impressed that you got that because that could have been anything do you know what I would really like is if you did do the voices I know that it gives me an edge in the game but yes, it but would give the listener something to enjoy as well <laughs> what would happen is I would do the voices and then they wouldn't sound like the people that I'm trying to do. And then, and then it would I'd, be embarrassing. I'd, I'd also blame it on you. Okay, so continue. So basically, it's exactly like my, my day-to-day job. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, your day-to-day life, really. My day-to-day life. Your indeed. existence. My existence, yeah. Normally, either at the hands of clients or at the hands of a four-and-a-half-year-old child. Exactly. So, there you go. That was Answer Me Quickly. Answer Me Quickly. Answer Me Quickly! <laughs> Anastasia. Anastasia. (laughs) Okay, so today we're talking about The Frighteners, uh, which is an excellent film. And uh, this time we've we've, we've done something a little bit different because normally we either watch the movie before we meet or we watch the movie during the session. And today... The session... Yes. This isn't therapy. It's a recording session. Stop giving it some sort of meaning. It's a recording session. All right. So, so that was a little bit of a weedy sort of, wasn't it? You have watched half of it separately from me, and I have watched half of it separately from we you. We stopped at exactly the same place. Yes, and uh, so tonight we are going to talk about context, and then we're going to go off and watch half a movie. All right, great. So here we go. Context. Tell me what you remember of The Frighteners in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'm guessing? Yeah. Right. So I think the first time I saw this was in 2000s already. We were here. Um, and I think... The thing is, is that I'm very, very creeped out by serial killers. So I think that that creeped me out. And the whole thing in the hospital at the end still creeps me out. Like, it's really creepy, right? But it is... It's also based on, on like, a true life serial killer. Yeah. Trivia Corner, we'll get there. It, it is a very, very, very good movie. Like, I, I have problems finding fault with it. Because right. the characters are so quirky... Some of them, and they're so well drawn. Um, and also, you cannot deny that VFX like work that Witter did, which we'll talk about later. Witter um, did, but uh, yeah, uh, my my my. Rem- I just remember being very very frightened of the uh, of the Grim Reaper. I remember being frightened by. It. I used to also be very upset by the fact that the uh, the ghosts, his friend ghosts, get get uh, chopped up. Spoilers. I mean, supposedly <laughs> this whole podcast is about spoilers, isn't it? It is I mean, indeed. So, But also, why didn't you say it like River Song? Spoilers. All right, go on. Yeah, my memories of it are that, first of all, I saw it back in England, probably around the late 90s, talking about like 97, 98, around the time of, did I have it on VHS or did I record it off TV? I probably recorded it off TV. I had it on DVD afterwards. And uh, I, I just, I remember it was, it was at a time when every time you saw a CG shot, it was something showy. It was something that was like spectacular. And the, the big difference is that nowadays you can't do that anymore. You can't show off spectacle with CG because 
everything's CG. And every CG shot... There are whole movies that are CG, like Avatar or something. You know, like right, no, but I, I'm talking about something like... We always go back to Marvel, but Marvel's yeah. a prime example. Also, uh, a lot of the DCEU, um, where you've got these entire shots that are CG, that have CG... Uh, stunt people in it as well and cg buildings and cg roads yeah, and cg everything. trucks and everything so it's not really it's not really jaw-dropping anymore but i remember that it was this was a showcase for witter digital mm-hmm. and they got lord of the rings off the yeah. back of this and this was their you audition. can see you can see how because from the documentary you can see exactly how tiny this production was in comparison to a uh, to a Hollywood production of a similar style. The budget for this movie was twenty six million dollars. It's not a lot, is it? Not very no. much. No. It also it also it didn't make that much back. Back. It made thirty million at the box office. That's a shame. Yeah. It's a lot better than that. Yeah. So it, it is a lot better than that. Uh, and I remember that there there being uh, a discrepancy about Michael J. Fox playing against type. Um, I think that, he's got a great performance in this movie. He's got a fantastic performance in this movie, and we'll talk about that. But anyway, the, I, I remember a lot of criti- criticisms about it, that um, it didn't... Mm-hmm. It wasn't as well-received as it is regarded now. Anyway, so that's my... Uh, that's my context. It's good context. Yeah. Mm. Should we go and watch half a movie? Let's go. Roll it. ending is in such poor taste <laughs> lucy pretending to be the grim reaper after all they've been through i've always liked this movie there's a lot of uh cool gothic imagery i like the the line that they walk between comedy and horror yeah um and it, and it's normally not as strong as that so if you take something like like ghostbusters the the comedy is a lot broader yeah. and the horror is a lot lighter mm-hmm. it's less of a homer hor- less of a homer less of a horror more of a spooky kind spooky. of a atmosphere and in this case it's a lot more horrific yeah um and creepy i noticed that uh and, and you'll probably comment on this when you get to vfx uh yeah. whatever you call it nowadays. did you notice the uh, the sort of stretching um textures on the wall and the carpet at the very, very beginning that kind of looked like uh, sort of very primitive uh, After Effects work. I'm talking about like in terms of nowadays, not in terms of 1996. So two things about the VFX is that one, I watched it with the lens of 1995, not comparing it to things you can do today, Mm -hmm. even though I can't help but do that, but that's what I was trying to do. The second thing is... um, and more importantly, I was uh, watching it on my phone for the first half of the movie, so uh, couldn't see crap. There's a lot of things that I noticed watching the Blu-ray that I didn't notice on my phone. So what were you going to say about the effects at the beginning? Go on. Just stretching? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like the, the, just pooing on it, were you? Just, for the, just the opening. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the movie is, uh, is top-notch, even when you look at it through the lens of, of now, yeah. and you take into account that it was made... How many years ago now? 30? Jesus. 27 years ago, something like that. Yes. I love the atmosphere in the opening. What what I always enjoy, like, if, 
Hocus Pocus, for example, really gets you into the mood of the of the spookiness of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of quirky spooky. Yeah. Um, in the same in the same way as Adam's Family does as well. It has like a kind of tongue in cheekness to yeah. the spookiness, and there's a very specific kind of score that goes with that. Yeah, the music is very uh, indicative of the experience right. you're gonna you're about to embark upon. And I think anybody, any other composers that did that were kind of taking their cues from Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that Danny Elfman did the score for this movie is it just says it all. Yeah. Um, and I love the the sort of blooming glow effect that they have behind the text. That's that's very sort of eighties horror. Yeah. Uh, I love that 80s ghost story. I love that stuff. And it tells you within seconds exactly what kind of movie you're about to watch. Speaking of Danny Elfman, mm. first of all, I noticed when I pointed at the screen and I went, ah, and you went, what? And I didn't answer you. Thanks um, for that. Yeah. Cryptic so as always. That little bit at the very, very end, just before Frank grabs Pat- Patricia, yeah. it does this kind of... They used that uh, that little piece right at the end of the Sleepy Hollow trailer, that original Sleepy Hollow trailer. Oh, really? It's right after the uh, the title comes up, Sleepy Hollow, it goes... I think it's like the teaser trailer, even, mm. that we used to watch over and over and yeah. over again. I think I had it on one of my discs on like the, that came with, uh, that came with the uh, uh, Empire or Total Film or something like that. <laughs> That little bit I noticed, and uh, and it tickled me. The hooded figure. Yes. The Grim Reaper. The forebearer of the Ringwraiths. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I saw Lord of the Rings in the cinema for the first time, and I saw the Ringwraiths, which, by the way, I remember seeing the uh, Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings on TV yeah. when I was a little kid. And uh, and I, I, I was transported by it. I'd never been exposed to anything Lord of the Rings until I saw that. And... The way that Jackson realized the the ring wraiths, and I knew it because I'd seen the Frighteners already, and I, and I saw that, and I was like, of course that's how he did it. Of course that that was his design, and it's just brilliant. You can't see the face; the hood is elongated, and the the cloak, and it's just it's so. It has a really claw-like cre- hands. Yeah, it has this wonderfully creepy quality, mm-hmm. and it's so simplistic. But it has so much character. Yeah, it's just a piece of cloth, but it but it emotes and it gives off this creepy vibe. I really like that. It's really funny how you know these tiny little things, tiny differences, um, in say a hood. You know, like when the difference between the Emperor's hood, where you can see a little bit of his face, right, in Star Wars, um, and the uh, the fact that this one comes so far forward. And is completely shrouding the face. Right, and it's thin. It's it's like it's a very very uh, it's a very thin slit. slit. Yeah, I, I could imagine Peter Jackson doing the um, the Ghost of uh, Christmas Yet to Come. Yeah, uh, you know, in that same style. But the, but what was really cool was seeing the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings, and also the behind the scenes of the Frighteners, and seeing the the practical version of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's this sort of um, this like animatronic. Puppet. It's animatronic, yeah. And it moves in a in a certain way. Obviously what they did with the CG is they is they sort of articulated it in a certain way that made it more fluid. But the animatronic has just as much character. It's just a, a wonderful design. It's the same kind of thing that the you know we were we watched uh, I watched three episodes of Cabinet of uh, Curiosities. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's like little bits of iconography that make you go, yes, that's accessing a 
certain part of my brain that's yeah. making me go, I love this. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in this movie as it's, well. It's it's exactly what we were talking about, speaking of the cabinet. Um, you know, the fact that I, I love the Hellboy movies and I love the designs of their creatures. And so when you see that creature at the end of the first story, which it didn't do it for you, but it did it for me. The minute I saw tentacles coming out of that cracked face, I was like... I love this design. I just love stuff like this. I really do. And it's very Lovecraftian, but we're, we're getting off track. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I was expecting something a little bit more yeah. sort of um, haunted house creepy. I'm going to um, reveal how much of a dunderhead I am. Okay. I only realized that Patricia was played by D. Wallace, mm. a.k.a. Elliot's mum from E.T., while researching for this episode. Oh, dear, Johnny, because even I knew that. You just I never connected it, the two? I look at it now, and I go, of course that's her. But, but she's, she's playing such, such a, a different, different character person, yeah. that I never connected it before. The, you also, this, probably your mind didn't want to. It's very possible, because she know. is despicable in this she's movie, really and she's so unhinged. But she's also got a certain amount of empathy, that, that because of who she is, just in general, she... Like, that, that scene at the end when they're being dragged into hell, and she goes, Johnny, 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 and mm-hmm. you think... Oh no! But like she's she's despicable though, <laughs> you know. She's just a fantastic actress. Well, it's also like, because yeah. of how they frame Patricia's story, right? That you know she was sort of dragged into it by Johnny. She wasn't. It's revealed in those flashbacks that she was just as into it and she was getting off on it as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's just because they frame her as a victim in the movie that you kind of sympathize with her. Right. They could only get you know that actress to. To sort of play that dichotomy. Exactly, that's why they cast her. There are so many fantastic ideas stuffed into this one movie. And there are levels to it. So, for example, I love the idea of Frank Bannister being this sort of reverse ambulance chaser. You know, he's 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 kind of like one of those uh, one of those lawyers that skulks around hospital right. like A and E, and he's giving people the card. Have you been? Have you been? You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that is Johnny doing Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Where are my pants? Um, so. <laughs> So yeah, I just love him skulking around the uh, the graveyard at the beginning with business cards. Michael J. Fox, it's really great to see him playing a dickhead. Yeah. Um, I think he, he always brings but like he's a, not really a dickhead. That's the thing is that he is because no, he's like, very bitter. Yes. But at the same time, like there's... If he were a proper dickhead, like the guy from the first episode of Cabinet of Curiosities, yeah. he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care that people are dying. He wouldn't care that this thing that he kind of remembers is happening. Yeah. Um, you know, he's afraid of, of the Grim Reaper form, you know, and it, it, it kind of freaks him because out. Because he's and, got a suppressed memory. And, exactly. And he doesn't quite know why he's bothered by it. And when he sees it for the first time, there's a moment, there's a shot there that sort of he's seeing something that he kind of remembers. Right. And he's frightened at the same time. Um, and he plays that really, really well. And I, you know, there's not a minute where I go, oh, suddenly he's the hero. He was an arsehole a minute ago. Like, I never bought that he actually believed what he was doing because, right. you know, when he gets back from uh, that first haunting, uh, quote unquote, <clears throat> there's a there's a little bit of the ghost trying to tell him that he's, you know, sort of overdoing it. This isn't the way that he should be spending his life, whatever. And he, he you can see on his face that he knows that that's the truth, but he just doesn't want to hear it because he's happier being miserable. Right. 
Um, but and it's it's a it's a very different role to yeah. to what we've seen him in before. He was always cast as the sort of hero type. So you see yeah. the the secret of my success and Teen Wolf and Back to the Future and all all of those movies that were made around sort of like the mid to late eighties. And then you come to this, and he's playing this sort of down and out prickly grumpy like yeah. drunk he's grieving as well he used to be an architect and he's living in a house that uh, that he was building that he was building wife. and he never finished building it because of an argument that they had over the back garden that he wanted to make a basketball court and she wanted to make a garden and you find out later that he it, he turned he, the he turned the concrete court. into he pulled up the concrete and planted a garden for yeah. her he's brilliant in this but there's there's still all of the and you remember I, I pointed this out to you while we were watching the second half of the movie that he still has those Michael J Fox mannerisms Isms. that we remember from movies like Back to the Future perfect. Yeah, um, where he's sort of like, he he finds out... That was me not even trying right. to do Michael Perfect. Um, that he finds out from the visions that he's having at the end in the, in the, uh, in the hospital. Um, he's having these visions of, uh, of the murders as they, uh, as they happened. Uh, it's like, sort of like echoes in time. And, uh, which and, is brilliant. And somebody, somebody like the, the, one of the doctors mentions to the nuns that the chapel is on the fourth floor and he's looking for the chapel in order to dump Johnny Bartlett's, uh, ashes, ashes so man. that he can banish him to the, uh, to the afterlife. So, um, so he does that kind of, you know, he, he sort of holds up the, uh, the 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 urn that he's holding and it's like kind of of gesture of thanks doc thanks thanks doc and moves around and it's just it's just so so michael j fox and i just it's he's playing a very different character but it's very comforting watching him act here's something interesting is that um i was watching the good wife and it uh he's in it um right he's playing a he a real asshole like there is very little that's redeemable about his lawyer character um and, you know, he's sort of already at this point very jittery and moving around. And, you know, the the disease is, is definitely uh, Taking hold, yeah. Taking hold. Yeah. But he's still fantastic. Yeah. He hasn't lost a step. I, I also I was watching some videos um, a couple of nights ago of him playing Johnny Be Good on stage with yeah, Coldplay. Yeah, I saw those too. And he's... He's really jittery, but he's still able to still doing it, play yeah. guitar, which I which I think is is it's is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. So we love Michael J. Fox. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Exactly. If you don't, I I, I don't trust you. If you help. don't like Michael J. Fox, um, tying it into a real life incident gives it a really sharp edge. I feel. Mm. Um, the, as I was saying, lots of ideas in this movie, and this is just one of them. The, uh, the idea of the, the whole backstory, the idea of carving the number into, into the victim's foreheads, the, uh, the, the whole, um, the whole history of the, of the killings in the hospital, um, all, all of that is just, it's just brilliant. There's just so, so many, Jeffrey Combs' character as well as, as Dammer's and all of his backstory, like, it, you feel like, they really stuffed as much as they could into this movie. It's not sort of surface level, yeah. you know, there are ghosts and you go from this set piece to this set piece to the yeah. set piece to the end. Like there's there's a lot of like um shading, a lot of richness. That's, to it. that's one of the notes that I that I wrote down is that the all of the characters are really well drawn. Um it, it's not all of the characters. I mean Lucy does get a little bit of a short thrift, you know, yeah. Short thrift. Yeah. But like, you know, there's 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 very little um there's very little meat on her bone, as it were. Yes. <laughs> it came out wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the the other characters, like Damas specifically, has 
incredible idiosyncrasies and strange yeah. like ticks and twitches and yeah. the fact that I, I the sound the, of women yeah, screaming makes that. him vomit is hilarious <laughs> but disturbing and then you find out why later on is like really creepy i love um frank michael j fox kicking damas when he's down and then the gun flying up in yeah. the air and him catching <laughs> it's it brilliant <laughs> it's just great um but anyway, so yeah, there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of really great backstory. I think that the um the issue I had with Lucy was the fact that she believes him very very readily. Yeah. Frank, she she buys into the idea of all these ghosts running around yeah. uh, very readily without actually being able to see them. And Ray is Ray is her husband, and he's a bit of a dickhead, mm-hmm. and he dies, and he's following her around for a while, and then he ghost. gets, and then he gets uh, sort of ghost murdered by the uh, by the um, the Grim Reaper, by the Grim Re- by Johnny Butler, and that's it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that she needed to grieve for him anymore or anything like that. But uh, but it, she doesn't have very much to do aside from helping Frank out. So here's the thing. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I do feel that um, she didn't need to grieve for him because I think that even in that opening scene with the two of them in bed, that she's a little bit not really into it anymore and she doesn't like him that much. And, you know, she also finds out that he's lost all of her investment. You know, he he blew it on a bad investment, all of her money. Um, And, you know, I think that she wasn't that, that into him in the first place. Um, the right. fact, I mean, she doesn't know that his ghost got, you know, ghost killed, which actually was something I wanted to bring up. Cause I said, how does that work exactly? Right. Um, and you were like, well, let's talk about it on the podcast. Well, here we are. Um, so and- I like the idea that I, you can see that, um, that, you know, the judge yeah. played by John Astin, who also played, uh, Gomez in the original uh, series of, uh, of the Adams family. So he, uh, comes out shooting mm-hmm. the ghost Cyrus and Stewart. Uh, are ducking for cover. They're petrified of the fact that, that you know, ghost the, the judge ghost is shooting. violence can happen. Yeah, ghost on ghost violence can happen. That the the idea that the that the spiritual plane is like our plane, but uh, just but for spirits. Just for spirits. Although that's so, not true either in the film. Why is that? Because ba- uh, uh, sorry, because Bannister is able to kill Patricia. Right. So so there is that it is established that you need to in the same way that Patrick Swayze needs to learn how to move objects in Ghost. So it is established with with Ray. That's the that's I think the the function of Ray is to be a new ghost so that you can see how he learns how to move things and how he he learns how to function as a ghost. I I see him you know as a uh, as a, a sort of a, a narrative device I guess. Mm. Of, of sort of like the rookie coming into a situation, being able to see it, the ex- audience being able to experience uh, something through. So again, eyes. I haven't really explained what my problem is, right? Right. So go ahead. how does this work? What am I talking about? How is it that at the very end, when Frank gets to heaven, quote unquote, because um, it's never established what it is, the afterlife, um, and Stuart and Cyrus who have been completely mangled and their souls taken by Bartlett, right? Um, They're there. But Judge isn't there. Right. And Ray isn't there. And it's kind of like, it's not established what really happens to them. Because in my opinion, when they get slashed in the face or destroyed, they're done. Right. So... Okay, well, this is... uh, This could be a plot hole. Because that moment where Frank says to Ray, why didn't you go into the light? 
And then he says to him, you're going to have to wait now for another year, I believe it is. He says, you got to wait another year before before they, they mm. come back and they give you another chance to go into the light. Okay. Well, maybe you could just ghost die and then you'll automatically go up there anyway. Um, this is what happened to uh, to Cyrus and and, uh, and Stuart. Yeah, but we don't see where Judge went. We don't see uh, exactly Ray. First of all, we don't know what kind of person Judge was in the uh, in the in his during oh, so his life. Maybe he went to hell. It's possible. Interesting. He was in the old west, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the drill sergeant as well. Who's played by uh, Ali Emery, who was in Full Metal Jacket? They, yeah. they, they. He gets killed, but we don't see him in the afterlife either. Maybe they, maybe it's possible that Jackson didn't feel that he needed to show them in the afterlife because it was only necessary to see the two best friends that yeah. Frank had in the afterlife. I don't know. It could be a plot hole. I wasn't bringing it up as a plot hole. I was just saying I'm interested to know how it works. Hmm. Anyway, Peter Dobson as Ray. Very manic, very yep. cartoony. Mm-hmm. I like his performance a lot. Uh, Jake Busey. Is brilliant. Yes, he is really. Also in Stranger Things, truly quite uh, quite scary too. Truly unhinged and really scary. Like he, his eyes. Ugh. He's yeah. wearing contacts, but you know. Yeah, of course. Scary. And you noticed something very interesting about his ghost. Yeah, I did. It's a design thing. You notice yeah. storytelling design things. And you might not have been able to see that when watching it on your phone. I didn't get to the bit where he's in no, the I'm, movie. No, I'm saying that you might not have yeah, noticed it. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen it. it um, no, TV. I just pointed out that he's got a burn mark on the top of his head and you can see a hole where, uh, and, and you can see through to his brain because that's where they put the electric chair That's where they put the sponge. Him. Yeah, the sponge. Yeah. And that's where he, uh, where he got electrocuted. Just a nice little... Um, because you can definitely see in the other ghosts, like, how they died. Right. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Kind of cool. I made a few notes of, like, little moments here. The the Elvis model flying, and then Ray goes, he's alive. Oh, right. So yeah. I found that funny. Um, I love the fact that, uh, that the, whole, the whole reason why Ray hates Frank is because Frank is driving recklessly, and he breaks the fence. Yeah. And then he runs over his, uh, his garden gnome on the way out. And then when they call him to deal with the poltergeist, so he comes back in and he breaks the fence again. I just found that hilarious. Nice. They were using the CGI and all of the all of their sort of effects prowess to kind of go, look what we can do. Yeah. And there were certain things in the director's cut that I thought were superfluous and that they were rightly cut uh, from the theatrical cut. Um, for example, like, you know, the Stuart puking yeah. out of his ears. Like, mm-hmm. just the, all of those little moments that are very interesting technically and their little character beats and sort of little moments and whatever, but they're not necessarily little slapstick moments that are not necessarily integral to the plot. So I I just thought that there were a little bit too many of those in the director's cut, but they're curios. It's the kind of thing that uh, I'm not sure if it's the, it's the definitive cut or if the theatrical cut is, but, um, but there's definitely, well, I think that the director's cut is important because it adds some much needed, uh, character work yeah. yeah backstory like even that little shot with the, the animatronic like you know him being frightened yeah. of the reaper yeah, yeah, shape yeah. is, yeah, is exactly. important yeah um so no i just noticed that there's definitely a a certain amount of look what we can do with the tech that we've got our hands on as opposed to let's get on with telling the story and i guess if you're gonna put those deleted scenes anywhere the director's cut is the way to go i made another note here that frank uses uh wood from his unfinished house for the fire yeah. Which I also found uh, interesting. Uh, Peter Jackson uh, has a cameo as the punk. Yeah. That has the Grim Reaper on his shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, the he whole... has a cameo in all the Lord of the Rings movies too. Yeah, yeah, true. And and also in uh, Hot Fuzz as the Santa that stabs uh, yeah. Nicholas in the hand. Yeah. How's the hand? 
best step. I love the cemetery scene, Ray's funeral, where you see all of right, the right, ghosts right. for the first time, and uh, it's all full of like ghoulish gothic imagery. Yeah. You meet Ali Emery for the first time. You've got Ray falling into the co- into the hole uh, and the coffin being lowered down on top of him. Yeah. Um, there's there's just so many great moments, and it, and it's very it's again it's got that kind of gothic Tim Burtony kind of feel about it that I that I feel like Jackson really sort of naturally was able to realize on the screen, and it's a shame that he hasn't done a lot of movies like this. He was able to take that sensibility of his and sort of put that into Lord of the Rings as we talked about yeah. but um, but he hasn't made a straight horror film uh, since this so be nice if he went back to that wouldn't it it really would and you know what's interesting I, I, I realise that I haven't seen Heavenly Creatures and I really should I haven't seen either well we should check that out alright yeah the restaurant scene reminds me a lot of all those scenes in Ghost and in yeah. always where you have like a, a sort of an apparition communicating with somebody who can hear or see them and another party in the scene who's not privy to any of that. Yeah. And I, I just, it's, it's an old trope, but I love it. And I would put it in each and every one of my movies if I, if I made every movie a ghost story. Um, it's just like, yeah, the thing is, is that if you make a ghost story movie, it'll be a, a, a horror movie, yeah, like a straight up horror movie, a straight up horror movie. We talked about this, uh, a couple of days ago that we want to write something. You know what would be great is if you found a way to take that trope and make it scary. That would be an interesting feat. There is. There is. Um, it's not a ghost, but that scene in The Invisible Man when um, when Elizabeth Moss is left holding the knife in the restaurant. Yeah. That is That's good. a great example of what it you're is. talking about. I found it an interesting character beat. The fact that Frank's gift comes from a car accident... And yet he's still so cavalier with his driving. Yeah. Um, it's it, He's not shown to be overtly suicidal, but that's a nice little hint that I find very interesting. Well spotted. Interesting. Yeah. The museum scene. Good teeth. Mighty fine woman. Good teeth. Yeah. So Really what, unnecessary. Yeah. What do you think of that? Because Can I've I always you found it slightly... I wrote? Okay, go ahead. Judge humping the mummy. Now, was that really necessary, sir? Damn, now, was that necessary, sir? Do you want to hear the note that I wrote? Go on. After I mopped the, the soda that I just spilled on my nose. I'll take my eyes, not the page. <laughs> right. I have written here, Judge humping the mummy always seemed one level of poor taste too many. <laughs> I was watching a movie this week that um, called uh, Don't Worry, Darling. You've heard of it. Never heard of it, Johnny. Yeah. So I was watching it this week, and it's it uses that tired trope of the wife who everybody thinks is going insane. You know, she's insisting on something yes. like like in in What Lies Beneath, which you haven't seen yet. She's insisting that that she's seen a ghost, and everybody's going, she needs to lie down. We'll give her some Xanax, and she'll she'll calm right down. Everybody's gaslighting the main character. Yeah, and how are they how are they going to get out of this? Yeah. Well, Bannister looking like the killer is one of those like narrative knots mm-hmm. that I really enjoy because you always think to yourself like it's it's something that's so unbelievable that uh, that there's this this evil ghost going around giving people heart attacks yeah. uh, or like crushing people's hearts and Bannister's been framed for it and there's just no way out of it. And I, I just, I, I love watching writers write their way out of the holes that they dig themselves into in that way. The interrogation scene. Yeah. Michael J. Fox, 
Round of applause. Yeah. It's a great performance. It's a great performance all the way through the movie. Yeah. He he plays every single moment that he has that apart from that one moment where he's like, I can't protect you, Lucy, that whole thing yeah. is a little bit hammy. Yeah. Um but And also know. he has a couple of no's. This death figure is nothing more than a homicidal alter ego that satisfies your compulsion to kill. No. Time you want to take somebody out, death figure suddenly appears, does the job for you. It's your rational mind's way of absolving yourself of guilt. <laughs> no, no, no. That's like Jonathan <laughs> is doing an impression of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> um, I just, um, I the, the reason why I say he's such a great actor is just before the interrogation sequence, when when they're taking him away, Lucy's going, "No, what? Are you, where are you taking him? Whatever." And like, he goes, "You don't know me. Am I a nice guy, Lucy?" You know me. Johnny is doing an impression <laughs> of Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah, uh, roll the audio clip. Frank! Frank, are you okay? What happened? What are you doing? Are you arresting him? Please leave, Mrs. Linsky. Frank, Frank, you need a lawyer. Go home, Lucy. But you haven't done anything. He hasn't done anything. How do you know? You know me? My nice guy, Lucy, because um, that cozy little scene in the restaurant was uh, bullshit. Because I, I was doing my job. I don't give a damn about you. I don't give a damn about anybody. What the hell are you saying? Go home. So I, I, I thought that that was just brilliant. He's got like a little tear. He's like, you know, he's, he's doing a great job there. And uh, in general, the interrogation scene is very well shot. It's all wide angles, jump cuts, close-ups of eyes, mouths, um, hands. You know, it's it's very uh, it's very disorientating and all over the place. Um, and it just sort of it, it accentuates Dama's uh, insanity, and it shows how Bannister is being affected by that, and it's sort of um, sort of igniting his own kind of internal yeah and his internal uh, turmoil over his wife's death um so he definitely blames himself it's just a great scene and i wrote down here which is which is what we talked about earlier as well is that there's actually a surprising amount of uh, character work going on yeah the other thing i noted was uh, troy evans as the sheriff who also played roger Padacter in uh, ace ventura yep i love the t2 reference when uh, bartlett is uh, sort of sliced up and then he kind of pulls himself gooily back together yeah and you know his face is on the uh is on the is kind of dripping down the headstone headstone, yeah the shining shot with um with banister looking through the broken door yeah banister you mean dammers banister banister breaks down the door to the chapel right and he looks through and there's a and there's a shot that looks like uh that looks like uh, Mm -hmm. jack nicholson looking through the broken door in the shining yeah um i had a question okay which was how exactly does Frank wrestle Patricia's spirit out of her body? Yeah, he just kind of shakes her, so and pulls her out. So, so I actually had a, had time to think about this since I said, "How does that work?" And you started talking about, you know, I'm not sure if it's a plot hole and all that stuff. But you did yes, mention that's how I sound. I'm you also, did mention we that are not assassins, Mister Grosser. We work for the American government. Um, where was I, you cock-faced twat? Right, okay. Apologies, Johnny, that was rude. Didn't mean it, shouldn't have said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, he's going to cry himself to sleep me. tonight on his huge pillow. 
So my my thoughts my thoughts on this are as follows. It's been established that once a ghost has definitely got control of his or her uh, ghostliness, they can not only affect their surroundings, but they can also stop the hearts of the living. They can screw with their internal organs um, and they can also change their appearance. Right. So stands to reason that, you know, Frank, having been a ghost before in the movie and sort of we see him going through that whole, oh, how do I not fall through yeah. floors and how do I but stay also on this he's, plane he's and how seen... do I interact? He's seen his friends yeah. do it as well. So yeah. he knows it can be done. And there's a confidence there that he's also been, he's not like a new ghost who doesn't know that there's a ghostly existence. He knows yeah. there is and he knows what's possible. It makes it kind of logical that he reached into her and squeezed her internal possible. organs yeah. until her ghost came out. That's kind of what I think. All right, I'll accept that. Thank you. Okay. Because your approval means everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about before I go to Trivia Corner? Um, no, I just really love this movie. The, the Ouija board thing at the end. I really do like how Michael J. Fox goes, and I'm not doing an impression, but he says, you know, nice epilogue, thanks. You know, like, <laughs> great. Because, you know, it's like the, there is sort of that one question. How did Patricia and Bartlett sort of get back into in touch with each other? How did he escape from hell? And she had lots and lots of Ouija boards in the house, and she was communicating with his ghost to bring mm. him back. Okay, so Trivia Corner? Yeah. Trivia, trivia Corner. corner. Joss Stone is a vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> it was during filming this on location in New Zealand that Michael J. Fox made up his mind that he'd had enough of being away from his family making movies and decided to head back to the small screen and star in a new sitcom called Spin City. Cool. This turned out to be his last leading role in a film. No actor other than Michael J. Fox was considered for the role of Frank Bannister, so Peter Jackson and Dame Fran Walsh, were happy. they weren't those things uh, then, but uh, IMDb uh, sort of giving them their prefixes here. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> Read the trivia. Oh my God. <laughs> Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh were having a meeting with Robert... <laughs> Give her a title. No. Give her a title. No. So. no. Finish it. No. Oh, evil. No. <laughs> Jonathan is doing an impression of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Where are my pants? Um, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh were having a meeting with Robert Zemeckis about the film and his name came up. Jackson liked the idea and sent the script to Fox, uh, which is funny because reviews at the time claimed he was miscast, mm. but he was the, he was he was the only choice. Uh, Charles Starkweather, who is the real life serial killer referenced in the movie, killed 11 people and two dogs during a nearly two month killing spree. His 14 year old girlfriend, Carol Fugate, accompanied him for and participated in most of the killings. He was caught, tried, convicted and executed by electric chair in a 17 month span. Fugate was sentenced to life in prison, but was paroled after serving 17 years. So pretty much cut and paste there. Yeah. Uh, Creepy. Very creepy, yeah. Danny Elfman was so impressed with Peter Jackson's previous movie, Heavenly Creatures, that he offered to do the score for one of Jackson's next movies and agreed to this movie without even knowing what it was about. So it's kind of happenstance that it just happened to be right up Danny Elfman's street. Yeah. Director Peter Jackson and executive producer Robert Zemeckis unsuccessfully campaigned to have the film released in October 1996 for Halloween week. The studio, however, wanted it for a summer release. The movie ultimately backfired as it didn't do well in gross earnings, as we uh, as we talked about earlier. Um, so we are doing it the honor of having it be our third and final Halloween special. Indeed. Um, happy Halloween, everyone, by the way, because when this is released, it should be Halloween. 
Um, and if it isn't, sorry, we're late. Tweak or tweet. Michael J. Fox's character speaks on a cordless phone through a mouthful of food twice. In Back to the Future, he does the same thing on a similar phone before meeting Doc at Twin Pines Mall. In both conversations, he ends the call with the words, I'm on my way. This is very important. I forgot my video camera. Can you stop by my place and pick it up on your way to the mall? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm away. Barrister. Dr. Linsky, I'm on my way. One of two horror movies released in 1996 to use a Don't Fear the Reaper cover. The other was Scream. Oh, that's right, isn't yes. it? Yes. And both films feature a serial killer disguised as a hooded ghost figure. Brilliant. Dammers, played by Jeffrey Combs, uh, his death scene was made extra gruesome when it was clear that the MPAA was going to give the movie an R rating instead of the PG-13 rating the filmmakers were aiming for, no matter how much Peter Jackson cut it down. He originally died of a shot in the chest, which was changed in post-production to his head exploding, Jackson's retaliation to the runaround he was given by the MPAA. Yeah, I, I, saw, a, I saw an interview about this where they, you know, they're like saying... Uh, there was one of the, I think it was the producer, someone was working on the movie and he brought his 11-year-old daughter to see a screening of it. And, you know, she was like, is there anything that I'm not supposed to see because it's R-rated? And he's like, I don't know, you tell us. And then... You tell us. And then they... Uh, Johnny is doing an impression of the Kiwi accent. <laughs> Fuck. Um, and, um, <laughs> a terrible impression on my turn. No, not not terrible. It's very good. Um, and uh, they and and she was like, oh, "What was wrong with it? There was nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all. You know, whatever." And uh, you know, it was that Peter Jackson had been you know aiming for that PG thirteen rating, and then once he realised he wasn't going to get it, he was like, "Guys, just make that as gory as you guys want. Who cares?" Yeah. But I actually find that to be a rather funny death because of how the a moment before he's shot, Dammers looks sort of like. Ooh. And then he's confused after he is a ghost, which is really funny. Right. So there is an issue of intent and context here. If you look at something like Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is rated PG, there are huge buckets of blood used in that movie, but it's used to comic effect. Whereas if you look at something like, well, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mm. that is rated 18 for the violence and the buckets of blood that are used, or uh, The Shining, all the blood coming out of the lift. Because of the context and because of the... um, Context is everything. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the genre and the the music and the the way it's presented. Um, And and Dracula, then loving it, uses buckets of blood as well. It's not even, you know, recolored to look look slightly less blood-like. No, no, it's uh, very glorious. It's very much, you know, it looks like blood. So, uh, so yeah, so, I mean... In that in that particular moment, I don't see. I mean, he he just wanted to do whatever he was going to do, but I think it was probably due to the effects of the time that uh, that everything, all of the, um, it looks kind of chunky. It looks kind of like the the blade um, finale where you've got all that sort of globby yeah cgi blood yeah uh, you know they were they were doing their best but you know the technology of the time just didn't have a very good um liquid engine that would uh, that would that would give off a, a very sort of realistic liquid look um so if you look at things like t2 and etc etc like it's uh, yet t2 look at things like uh, at the beginning of the movie where stewart's vomiting out of his cheeks where like stewart's vomiting uh, out of his cheeks also not a great the, fluid no but sim. no but i'm talking about t2 in the in the fact that that's a fluid simulation that looks like a mirror 
for example, when the the Grim Reaper comes out of the of the mirror and, uh, That's and a great kills the guy in the uh, yeah. in the bathroom, and then the Matrix as well. It's it's sort of and, and in Terminator Two, it's Mercury. So there there is a, there is a precedence for that to look kind of you know reflective and uh, and and kind of Mercury like. Whereas if they're trying to reproduce realistic looking fluid in the late nineties, it just wasn't very good. Yeah. So and and you can look at like the Mummy Returns of the early two thousand. You can look at the Mummy Returns and the Wall of Water for that. Um, yeah, but the effects in that movie are just not yeah. Great. But it's a but it's a liquid it's a liquid sim that doesn't really doesn't hold really up, work. Yeah. It doesn't hold up. Yeah, um, and it didn't even when the movie came out. So right. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, during Ray Linsky's funeral, apparently I didn't notice this while I was watching it, but <clears throat> you can see Frank Bannister's house burning down in the background. It's not clear, but you can see a large orange blur directly behind Lucy. And it was burned down by the film crew because they had finished filming there by that point. Interesting. Yeah. I want to go back and have a look at that scene now, but that's a nice little tidbit. Yes. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Johnny's tidbits. Thank you. But we are, in fact, in Trivia Corner. You can't cancel out Trivia Corner. Forgive me. Forgive me. Anyway, that was Trivia Corner. Trivia. Trivia Corner. Corner. Well, that's all I've got. What do you got? Um, okay, well, I feel like we've said a lot about the effects, but let's go to the VFX Cavill Vafangle. Cavill Vafangle? You heard me. All, all right. right. Come with me and step into the spine-tingling confusion known as size rambling cavalcade of nonsense. <sighs> okay, so some things here. Wetter. 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 Um, you know, Sai is doing a Kiwi accent. A bad one. Um, and it's no, basically. No, it's actually. Yeah, that's right. Film office. So I, I. We're doing an impression of Ben, ben Davis. Davis. All right, continue, please. <laughs> this is the worst episode. We cannot do this at night. We cannot. There will be cutting. All right. So the VFX in this movie are brilliant. Uh, from I want I want to split this into a couple of categories. There's the ghost effects, there's the Grim Reaper effects, and there's sort of the I want to say the uh, the merging of the real world with those sort of effects. You want to say compositing? No, I mean I mean when the ghosts interact with the real world. Right. Right. So, for example, uh, whenever the Grim Reaper reaches into somebody's chest, there is there is a fantastic feeling of, ooh, you know, that, that looks, it looks like I wouldn't want that. Like, the, it kind of stops your breath a little bit. Right. Um, the, the shot of the Grim Reaper coming out of the mirror. Okay, just, just to preface a little bit. There is an episode of VFX Artist React that React that just came out yeah, tonight. Yeah, it, it got released tonight. Yeah, I saw um, that as well. And it has a section on the Frighteners. And they don't go into a lot of detail about things, but they do mention the mirror scene. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, if you if you want to hear a little bit more about it, like, you know, you can hear what they say and they go into detail about caustics and how uh, reflections are sort of um, calculated in, in CG. Um, but it's a great shot. Disclaimer, Mostly, Corridor Crew is not paying us any money no. for this uh, publicity. Um, no, I'm just being lazy. But yeah. like you know, the camera sort of is is tilting ever so slightly, and and you know the the Grim Reaper is pushing the guy down onto the ground. So there's this this sinking feeling as you're watching it. Yeah. And not only is the camera work doing that, but the CG is doing it too. And that's that's one of my arguments for VFX. And I feel that this movie has a great 
basis for this argument that you you do things in CGI that will service the story that you cannot do in frame. Right. And and the things that you can do in frame need to service the story and the effects and what they're trying to do, right? right. So that, that camera move, the way that it's coming downwards, the way that the music is involved in that moment, the, the right. guy dying in the bathroom is a very sort of... This is the first time that we're seeing, um, you know this Grim Reaper thing come out of anything and kill someone right in front of our main character. We are discovering it with him. So it's a really well done moment. Um, And the thing about the Grim Reaper in this movie is that it's a cloth simulation. Yeah. And that's it. It wasn't done before. Like really. Um, This is one of the first cloth simulations, and it's not the same as cloth simulations are nowadays. It was done with a lot of maths and calculations and of points and whatnot, but it's really well done, and the compositing is brilliant, and the lighting on the Grim Reaper matches every scene he's in. There's never a scene where he... Like, look, you'll be looking at this, and you'll be watching it, and you will be going, okay, this looks a little bit dated now, but when you're watching it for what they had to do to get it to look like this at that time. We're talking 95, 96. Yeah. Incredible. Right. And that's not even talking about the ghost effects. I'll I'll get there in a second, but there's more to the, to the Grim Reaper than just, you know, his hood and his look and, and what he's doing. It's how he's moving. Yeah. Because they, they wanted to make him feel, um, like a predator, like an apex predator. And he is, and he moves around like that, like you know, he, the way he jumps from roof to roof, the way um, I think it, the Grim Reaper jumps on the reporter, yeah, right, sort of pounces on her, um, and throws her, and throws to her the, to the ground, yeah. and, and and squeezes her heart. It's um, it's very violent how it's moving, and the the cloak follows every movement, and sometimes it doesn't. Which is also brilliant because it's ethereal and it's not of this world. So there's a lot of design, sorry, design decisions and stylizations that make sense and are brilliant. And on the other side of this that I wanted to talk about was the ghosts that they have, you know, this great little glow behind them. But also whenever, you know, you can make somebody look see-through, but having that sort of magnetized refraction Refraction, look... Um, they warp you know, everything. Where, where everything behind them is warping because right. they're not just see-through. They, you know, look. They have the, mass, even the, though they're spirits. It's a fantastic marriage between practical and VFX. Right. Is that the makeup is also informing a lot of what makes them feel ghost-like. Their eyes are, you know, darkened. Uh, they have ectoplasm. They, they all look wet. They all look snotty. They all look like yeah. they've got, you know, stuff dripping out of their eyes and their noses right. and whatever. And it, it, it's more apparent the more, the longer they are ghosts, right? You know, when Ray yeah. is a new ghost, he's a little bit cleaner by the time he's last seen in the movie. Um, he's a, he's kind of like falling apart and a little bit gross, a little bit. And, and he's like, I think he says like, you know, is it the ectoplasm? It doesn't do it for you anymore or whatever <laughs> it is uh, to Lucy. She can't hear him. Got a kiss for Honey Bunny? I know, I know, it's the way I look. It's this damn ectoplasm stuff. Turns you off, doesn't it? Um, so there are these 
physical design decisions that yeah. are happening behind the VFX. And this is part of the argument that I want to have with film vloggers about, right. you know, because VFX. It, I'll, I'll give some background. I was listening to the Mummy Returns episode um, that uh, film vloggers did with, uh, uh, with Review It Yourself which is another podcast, they were basically having a moan about the about CGI. And they wanted to have a discussion with somebody who would argue the case for. Now, the, the thing about this, though, is that nowadays, if they were going to do ghosts in this way, they would probably all be mocap, right? Yeah, and they'd all be CG and they'd all, all of be the blood CG. and all of the ectoplasm. Right. There wouldn't be the reliance on right. the physical. Whereas which, they... F- they actually physically filmed the actors mm-hmm. on, on a green blue screen, screen blue or blue screen, screen. Um, and uh, and that's what you see in the movie. So they they've enhanced them with with CG, and they've enhanced them with uh, with with sort of uh, optical compositing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They were doing even more than than just filming them on a blue screen, which is there's an even more impressive VFX shot in this movie that I don't think is is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is Judge. Right. Um, yeah, because he's got he's, like a, he's got no his midsection is missing. It's so just they had spine. to yeah. not only re- his, his his spine, his rib cage, and his um yeah. his hips. So I saw the I saw the shot that they uh, that they sort of had him sort of clad in a his midsection in, in blue. blue, and they removed him, and then they right. they had to composite the CG um, bones, yeah. right, and also swivel the hips and move them with the and his face as well falling apart yeah it's all really well done yeah and it's it's one of those things where if you just gloss over this movie in in a kind of oh you know the effects look old you're really doing a disservice to how proficient weta are at pushing the boundaries of what is possible in cg they were a small team they had a very small budget and they were able to do so many things with what they had. Right. There are 500 and, effect shots in this movie, visual and, effect shots. And you can understand why they got the Lord of the Rings Gollum right. gig, right? CG is a tool like any other. Yeah. If you overuse it or you use it in the wrong way, then it's not going to look good. It's not going to It's not going to give the effect that you're... Uh, that you're hoping that it's going to give exactly yeah. it's not about the technology itself it's about the way you use it's the tool. how you use it and right it's, it's how it's how you um you dress up what you filmed because yeah. it, it's it's something we've said on this podcast before as well sure do as much as you can practically right and then enhance it with vfx so there you go that's so that's what i wanted to address as well is that if you take two movies side by side by either by the same director or the same the same world, okay. You take like Lord of the like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You compare it to the, the Hobbit, Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. Or you Great take example. Or you take Independence Day, and, and you compare it with Indo- Independence Day Resurgence, and you can see that they've they decided in both of the latter examples to go completely CG, build entire environments out of CG, entire characters out of CG. They get that, like yeah, the characters thing. Yeah. That's what gets me because they have all of these great perspective shots that Peter Jackson and and the crew were coming up with to to sort of solve for the how the whole how do you make a human and a you know, they did do a lot of like green screen stuff, like where Gandalf is yeah. walking through the house. Through they the also Hobbit did that, and, that uh, and, eternal and, and sunshine the the, thing. Exactly. Of like having where he's sitting on the table and the, yeah, and you have him far there. away to make him look smaller and you have Kate Winslet closer to the and camera. It's an incredible shot. On a ramp. Uh, but yeah. nowadays they just do it with, with CG or with, uh, with right. VFX. But also I was, I was talking about like the, 
the sets that they built for Lord of the Rings yeah. and the uh, and the orcs, the orcs that they they made up each and every orc, and they're they're all with prosthetics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you look at the orcs in uh, in in the Hobbit, and they're all they're all mocap. Yeah. Um, and and there's there's nothing there's not to say that that technology isn't valid, but the difference between those two. Because no matter what happens, your eye can tell that something doesn't right. look real. You Even know, when you're yeah. looking at something, we've talked about this, when you're looking yeah. at Thanos, as impressive as that effect is, yeah. it's not trying to be a real human. Right. It is an alien with realistic human properties right. and pores and um, you know, pore stretching and wrinkles yeah. and all of the things, the details, the way that the mouth moves, but it's never trying to be realistic. Yeah. Now, neither are the orcs, but they they kind of went in The Hobbit in, in into this kind of cartoony realm yeah. Yeah. where the real prosthetic orcs felt dangerous. It right. felt like the characters were in danger. Yeah. And because everything looks so CG, it removes you from that feeling of danger. Right. This but is it, a discussion it, yeah. we could be having with film floggers, right. to be honest. Yeah, fine. I, let's let's move on. But uh, but yeah, the 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 way that Jackson used the tools that were at his disposal yeah. and the frighteners is extremely uh, savvy. It's clever, and yeah. it's it's also it's understanding what makes the eye accept something right. that isn't in the scene as being in the scene. Whether it's matching lighting, matching black tones, matching. Um, you know, the wind direction, you know, all these things like, yeah. you know, it, it's all part of it. And he, his attention to detail. And I don't know whether it's his attention to detail or it's him trusting his very talented VFX team. I'm very happy with the VFX in this movie. I love watching this movie and, and this time watching it with this kind of critical eye open my eyes to a lot more sort of you know right. things that shouldn't have been possible at that time right uh, and uh, that's it you're done oh i'm sorry i thought that, that was clear i was telling <laughs> you to run the jingle right okay come with me and step into the spine tingling confusion known as size rambling cavalcade of nonsense that was, a great so that, episode, that was yeah. the frighteners yeah uh, that was Halloween. Halloween. We've done a few. What's up next? What's next? What's next? You want to talk about dreams? <laughs> Let's talk about dreams. <laughs> what's up next is that... Uh, what's we up are, next number? We're, <laughs> what's up next number? We are hopefully... <laughs> oh, that's it. He's gone. Yep. It's 11.30 at night oh, and uh, we've still, we got, still got more to record. Yeah, we've still got more to record. But uh, anyway, so the I, I think that uh, the passing Halloween... We can do a couple of neutral movies and then uh, start attacking Christmas. That was violent. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, as I said before, we need to start doing what's our, what's bond, our number. bond number. Yeah. Yeah. To make that actually uh, worth announcing. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway. Well, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Thank and you for you joining us. We're gonna, I'm going to do something that we don't normally do. What's that? I recommend that the listener watches this film. We I, normally just give our opinions and whatever, and we don't say you should watch this, shouldn't watch this, or it is a good movie or a bad movie. I recommend that you watch this film. If you haven't seen this, it's a rare sort of gem because of how, how it informs the rest of Peter Jackson's career. Yeah. How it is the door opening for Weta Digital, who have done a lot of VFX in movies you've probably seen. Yeah. And Michael J. Fox in his last... Um, feature film, feature role. film yeah. role where he is the you know not a little cgi mouse but it's a lot of fun 
and I am for once recommending a film. Very good, very good. I think in no one general, cares. let's roll the outro. Hey, no, I'm hey. joking, I think in general that it would make a lot more sense these episodes. If you have seen the movie that we're talking about... Yes, indeed. You should have watched it before. Oh, now they tell me at the oh. end of the episode. No, but, but you I, should watch I've, it before you Because we do episode. talk spoilers. Exactly. Uh, but if you if you listen and you don't care if you watch the movie or not, then... Yeah, watch the power movie. Power to you. Yeah, power watch, to you. Watch the movie, listen to the I, episode. I would Ruin recommend your life. It. You're an yeah. idiot. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us. That's thanks all for from listening. us. <laughs> See what I did there? Was that little thing? Bye. Bye. What's our seat number? <laughs>